Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 184. Yesterday, I introduced to you what we're going to be studying this week, and I called you to commitment. Men, especially you. Mothers, especially you. To learn the Word of God, not so you can say how much you know, but to know God better. And once you begin to understand this principle, that we study in order to know God better, then we turn around and pass that knowledge on to others so that our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors, and the wider scope of our influence, we can really help people to understand who God is, to know Him, and that comes through understanding the written Word of God, which we call the Bible. Now, this week, I'm going to be giving you some ways that you can better understand the Scripture. First of all, the thing that all of us have to do is make a commitment to read the Word of God and to study it every day. Not just read it, but to learn how to understand it. Ezra, the great priest, scribe, sofer, the one who taught the people, his great teachings and his methods are still followed to this day. Ezra, according to the book of Ezra, made up his mind, made a commitment that he was going to study the law of God and that he was going to understand it, to seek after God so that he could obey God and teach to the children of Israel the laws, the statutes, the ways of God. And that has to be our commitment. And the scripture says that he did just that. For instance, the account of Nehemiah chapter 8, you'll see that Ezra gathered all of Israel together when they came back to build the great walls around Jerusalem and to repair them. Ezra built a pulpit. A pulpit is a platform where he could be seen and heard. And he got everyone who could understand the word of God. That means even the children who could understand. Now, not those who didn't know their right hand from their left, not those that what we would call preschool and nursery and children that are crying and screaming and all of that. No, it says the adults and all of those who could understand. Children who are in the first and second grade, as we would call them, can listen to the Word of God and they can understand it. And I've seen that in four decades of ministry that children, when you think they don't understand, they really understand more than what you think. And they can be taught in an adult manner. This is what we do. We teach. We teach our children, and they will learn when we teach them. The reason children don't know the Word of God these days in Christian families is because Christian families are not teaching their children the Word of God. They're leaving it to the church, to the vacation Bible school, to the Christian school maybe that they send their children. Now, you can delegate responsibility to some degree to all of these entities, but it is your and my responsibility to lead our children in the way of the Lord, our grandchildren in the way of the Lord. 
And so in order to do that, we've got to understand how to understand the Bible. So I want to give you some very basics. Some of these things will be old hat to some of you. Others, it will be brand new. And so I want to make several statements to you. The first one, anybody that's been around me understands that I believe this with all my heart. It is the cardinal principle upon which we must interpret the Bible. And here it is. Every Bible writer... Every Bible writer from Moses to John, that means from Moses who Jesus said wrote the law, the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, to the book of Revelation. John wrote that. John wrote the book of Revelation. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote the Revelation. He wrote five books in the Bible, the last of which was the book of Revelation. At the close of the first century, he was the last apostle alive. And so that means the whole Bible, every Bible writer from Moses to John. Now listen to this. Believed, understood, assumed that the people to whom he was writing understood the language, understood the historical context, understood the geography, understood the culture and the cultural context. You see, it's so important that we get in our minds that the Bible is a Jewish book. It is written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews. For the first eight years after Pentecost, after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, for the first eight years, only Jews made up the church. And so much of the culture of the early church that, by the way, turned the world upside down with the gospel of Christ, they did it in a Jewish context. And so when we study the Bible, we have to understand that every Bible writer from Moses to John, from Genesis to Revelation, every Bible writer assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language, the history, the geography, and the cultural context of their day. The Bible is filled with assumptions. You see, the Bible is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Every word, every consonant is inspired. But listen to me. The Bible is not complete in details. We only have just If we took all of the gospel accounts of Jesus and we put them together hour-wise, they would barely fill a week of time. But Jesus was on the earth 33 years. What happened to all the rest of that? We don't even know about all the details of his birth. We know something of the birth, what God wanted us to know. You say, well, that's all we need to know. Well, much of the Bible is filled with assumptions. That's why, in many cases, God doesn't tell us to do something. The apostles don't tell us to do something. Jesus doesn't tell us to do something because it's assumed that we're going to do it. As you read through the Bible, that becomes very clear. And so let me just give you some examples in the Old and the New Testament. Let me give you some examples. Turn to Psalm 22, and when you turn to Psalm 22, you're going to see a caption at the top. You're going to see a signature at the top, and it's going to say something to this effect, to the chief musician. And this Psalm 22 was to be set to the tune of the deer of the dawn. Do you know that tune? Hum it for me. 
You don't know it, and no one alive knows it, the deer of the dawn. It was assumed, though, that everyone knew it because David didn't say, and here's how it goes. The reason is everyone, all of the musicians knew this familiar, the deer of the dawn. Look at Psalm 45, set to the lilies. Can anyone hum the tune of the lilies? Psalm 53, set to Mahalat. We don't even really know what that word means, but everyone else did because they were told to sing it to Mahalat. We believe that it comes from the word chala, which means to be sick or to be weak, but we don't know what the tune was. What about Psalm 58? Psalm 58 says that it is to be sung to do not destroy. Does anyone know that? Absolutely not. No musician I've ever heard knows that. Well, you say, well, what are you trying to prove? What I'm trying to let you see is some things in every time period are assumed. For instance, over the last century, you could go into any church in almost any place anywhere in the United States of America or Western culture, and you could say, now these are the words I want you to sing, but I want you to set it to the tune of Amazing Grace. And almost anyone could put those words to the tune of Amazing Grace. Why? Because people know the tune of Amazing Grace, and it's assumed that everyone knows it, and that, or most people know it. That's why it says, set to the tune of Amazing Grace. These words you sing to the tune of Amazing Grace. You can sing other words to the tune of Amazing Grace, but this psalm is to be sung to the tune of Amazing Grace. And people would know that. Well, you, why would they know that? It's a Assumed that they would know because it is a very familiar Christian hymn. Well, the same thing is true about the Psalms I just told you. Geographical assumptions. The Bible is complete, but not in details. And if you want Bible for that, which I know so many of you want scriptures for everything, there's not a scripture for everything because much is assumed. But John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John 21, verses 24 and 25, the apostle John says many other things that Jesus did, which are not written in this book. These are written, and he gave the purpose so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you might trust in him and have eternal life. That's the reason that the Gospel of John was written. But he said in another place, many other miracles that Jesus did that I've not told you about. If I were to tell you everything that Jesus did, and of course the effects and ramifications of that, then the world couldn't even contain the books. We don't have all the miracles that Jesus did. We only have a few. John only chose seven, seven sayings that Jesus said that only God could say, seven sayings that only God could say that Jesus said, seven miracles that were bona fide miracles that were great, Magale, great miracles. But Jesus did many other miracles in many places that are never recorded. You remember in the Gospel of Matthew, that Jesus said, woe to you, Capernaum, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Chorazin. If the great miracles were done in you, 
if they had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Now that means Jesus said they would have repented, so they would have repented. Jesus knows what he's talking about. He never lies. He said they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes if they had seen what you have seen, experienced what you've experienced. Now he said that to Capernaum. We have many miracles recorded there that Jesus did. He said that to Bethsaida. We have many miracles recorded in the Gospels that Jesus did at Bethsaida. But Jesus said, Woe to you, Chorazin, for if the miracles were done in you, wait just a minute, we don't have one miracle recorded that Jesus did in Chorazin, but yet Jesus said he did many miracles there. What I'm saying to you is, the Bible's not complete in details, and it is filled with assumption. Look at the book of Judges, chapter 21. When you look at the book of Judges, chapter 21, you're going to get a description of where Shiloh, where Shiloh was located. And it says in verse 19 of Judges, chapter 21, Then they said, this was the elders, In fact, there is a yearly feast of the Lord in Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle was. That's where the worship center was for Israel before David conquered Jerusalem and moved it to Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where Solomon later built the temple. But look what he says, this Shiloh, and he gives unusually specific geographical bearings as to where this is, but you have to know something of the area. And he assumed that everybody knew where Bethel was. He said it is north of Bethel. It is on the east side of the highway, which goes from Bethel to Shechem, to Shechem. And it is south of Labona. That means that you had to know where Labona was. You had to know where Bethel was. You had to know north and south. You had to know that patriarchal highway. And you had to know the measurements and the geographical locations of these places. It was assumed that you would. And if you did, you could find Shiloh. If you didn't and you went over there today, you wouldn't even know where to start. What I'm saying is every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language, understood the history, the geography, and the cultural context of the day. Folks, what I'm trying to get you to do is to see that we don't know all of these things. And so we have to read. We have to study. We have to listen to people who do know these things that will teach us. And so I want to encourage you to listen, to study, to follow men in their podcast and in their broadcast and in their writings that will teach you these things in a way that you can understand. Many times men with advanced degrees and terminal degrees with PhDs and THDs, they talk up in the clouds. You see, they've got their PhD and they've got their master divinity and they've got their THDs and they won't want you to know that they have that. And so many times they make it sound like only the enlightened can understand the word of God. 
the Spirit of God. Listen to me. The Spirit of God lives in your heart. The Spirit of God is the one who inspired the Bible. The Spirit of God is the one that moved those writers to write down what they did and so superintended them so that what they wrote down was indeed the very words of God. He used their style, their background, their vocabulary, but what they wrote down were the very words of God. And that same Spirit who inspired the Bible is the only one that can help you to understand it and illuminate your heart and mind. But he does use people, and he does use mechanics, and he does use methods. And what I want to do is help you this week to understand the Bible. And in order to do that, you need to remember, first of all, that the Bible is a Jewish book. It's written by Jews, to Jews, for Jews. And if you try to interpret it with a Western mindset, you're going to go astray just like thousands upon thousands have down through the centuries. The Bible is not a Western book, and you and I don't have the privilege nor the authority to interpret any way we want to. We've got to interpret Scripture by Scripture, and we've got to do it in its original context. And I hear people say all the time, well, to me, it means this. It doesn't matter what it means to you. It doesn't matter what it means to Aunt Lucy. What it means is what's important. What did it mean? What does it mean? Because whatever it meant, that's what it means today. When it was written, that's what it means today. And so we need to find out what it said when it was spoken when the writer wrote it down. And that takes study and research. And we'll help you with that. We'll encourage you with that. And so every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people knew the language, the history, the geography, the culture, and the context of that day. Well, that's enough for today. God bless you as you walk on the way. Let's get in the book of God together. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.